Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to Nexa Resources First Quarter 2020 Conference Call. All participants will be in listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. The presenters in this call are Mr. Tito Martins, CEO of Nexa Resources, Mr. Rodrigo Menick, CFO of Nexa Resources, and Ms. Roberta Varela, Head of Investor Relations. Please note this event is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Mr. Tito Martins. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning and good afternoon, everyone. I hope you and your families are doing fine in a time so complex for our lives. Thank you for being here in another Nexus Earnings Conference call. Today, we'll be talking about our results for the first quarter of 2020. Please, let's move to slide three, where we will begin our presentation. On slides three, four, and five, I will comment on the measures we have taken in response to COVID-19 outbreak. We are living in an unprecedented scenario that should not only affect the way we manage our business, but it will also affect our personal lives. What does not change and is part of our core value is our commitment to protect and preserve the well-being of our people and our host communities. We think our reaction to the COVID-19 escalation was actually quick. Even before the authorities in Peru and Brazil started to take measures to deal with the coronavirus outbreak, we decided to set up a crisis committee to carry out preventive procedures in our operations and offices. It was clear for us we should look at the healthy and safe of our people, and we needed to preserve the continuity of our business. A strong communication plan addressing our workers and stakeholders was implemented, and we also decided for additional safety measures in all our operations. Here, we have some examples. Social distance, increased site cleaning and hygiene services, health screening and fever monitoring, non-essential site personnel, risk group, and corporate employees all working remotely, restriction of external visitors, suspension of non-essential business trips and events, health and well-being programs developed to target COVID-19-related issues, and the increase of the use of technology to manage our business. I'm sure everybody here never thought we would be working and running businesses as we are doing today with a lot of technological support. Now please move to slide four. We are also strengthening the relationship with our host communities and local governments. In Brazil, we provide medical equipment, kits for medical assistance, and technical support in the locations where we operate. In Peru, 
Even in state of emergency, we have managed to provide some supplies, such as food and medicines. Some of these initiatives were done in partnership with Votantin Institute, which provides some financial support. We are also keeping a regular communication with the local authorities, trying to help them on the combat of the COVID-19 and to get their support for the continuity of our operations. Now, please turn to slide five. In response to the measures announced by the Peruvian government, we maintain our mine activities limited to the critical operations from March 18 until May 11. Regarding Caramachida smelter, we were able to secure some raw material supply, and given the limitation of the workforce, we had to operate at reduced rates. During this period, mining smelter in Brazil operates at normal levels without any interruptions. As most of you, our comfort areas in Brazil and Peru are used in home office, and surprisingly, we've seen productive improvements in some of them. To navigate this uncertain global scenario, we have proactively taken measures to strengthen our balance and improve our cash flow. CapEx was reduced more than $100 million, and the total CapEx now for the year is $300 million. No essential activities were suspended, such as greenfield projects and development and exploration investments. The only exemption among the greenfield projects is Magistral, which is in the defensive stage of the fell tree phase. On top of that, we are estimating cost savings of something around $20 million, basically related to bonus suspension, travel expenses, and third-party services. It's important to mention our board members are reducing their remuneration by 20%. This amount will be added to the resources NEXA is using to combat COVID-19. Now, I would like to pass to Rodrigo Menke, our CFO, who will comment on the measures adopted to improve our liquidity. Menke, please. Thank you, Tito, and good morning, everyone. I'm on slide six now. As you know, prior to the COVID-19 escalation and taking into account our strong cash position, we approved in February the payment of $50 million of dividends to shareholders. Also in February, taking the advantage of the capital market momentum then, we announced and completed a tender offer of our Nexa Peru 2023 notes in the amount of $215 million and completed this liability management exercise entering into a new five-year term loan of $100 million with lower costs. Moving forward, as a response to the worsening conditions of the COVID-19 global spread in March, we increased our liquidity position by adding almost $600 million to our cash balance through new debts, being $250 million in March and $44 million in April, both through our Brazilian subsidiary, and also the drawdown of our revolving credit facility in the amount of $300 million in April through NEXA resources in Luxembourg. Therefore, our available liquidity is of approximately $1 billion, and as such, we believe we have a strong balance sheet to navigate this uncertain scenario. We will continue to monitor the market development as well as our capital structure analyzing opportunities to support us in our deleveraging process in the future. In terms of leverage, 
measured by the net debt to EBITDA ratio, we went this the quarter at 3.3 times. Considering the current scenario and projections, it is likely that we will not comply with the maximum level of leverage allowed by our financial covenant clauses defined in some agreements. We are already discussing such situation with interested counterparts to address it. Moving to slides 7 and 8, I will comment on our revised guidance for 2020. But before discussing guidance, I would like to comment on our assumptions behind the scenario. Despite the high level of uncertainty, we have to choose a path, and thus we are assuming a gradual recovery during the second semester, as we estimate the worst of the pandemic will have passed. We have implemented business continuity measures in our operations, supply chain, and financial situation to mitigate and reduce the potential impact of the continuous efforts to fight COVID-19. But we still estimate having restriction protocols to access our mines, particularly in Peru, which will affect our operating rates. So now turning to slide seven, I will comment our mining segment guidance for 2020. Zinc production is estimated to be between 300 and 335,000 tons, down 11% from previous estimates. The decrease in throughput should be partially offset by higher zinc rates, though. The main assumptions behind our revised guidance are the suspension of production at the Peruvian mines of Cerro Lindo, Povernil, and Atacocha from mid-March to May 10th. The restart of Cerulingo and El Povernil production activities on May 11th, but assuming additional health and safety protocols that will limit our operational capacity and impose a ramp-up curve. Atacocha activities remain suspended and no change in our Brazilian operations. We estimate to continue running at normal levels in Brazil. Copper and lead production were then affected and we forecast a reduction of 11,000 tons for copper and 17,000 tons for lead, considering the mid-range of the guidance. With regard to our 2020 cash cost guidance, it was re revised considering changes such as this updated production in Peru, lower commodity prices, effect variations in Brazil and Peru, and higher treatment charges. And as a result, we estimate mining average cash costs increased to 57 cents per pound of zinc sold, approximately 10% higher compared with the previous guidance of 52 cents per pound released in January 2020. Moving to slide eight to discuss our smelting segment guidance. Metal sales were also revised downwards, and we estimate a reduction of approximately 10%. The main assumptions behind guidance revision are reduced operation rates in Cajamarquilla from mid-March until the end of May, lower demand in our home market, and the reduction of Rizifora operating rates to 60% during the months of May and June. Depending on market conditions, we may extend this period further or as an alternative, we may rebalance the capacity utilization rates of all three smelters. With regard to costs, smelting benefits from higher TCs and the smelting cash cost guidance for 2020 was reduced to 74 cents per pound compared with 90 cents per pound in January 2020. 
In order to have an appropriate comparison, please note that the cash cost levels for both mining and smelting do not include the cost of idleness in our operations. I now handle the call over to Roberta Varela, our Head of Investor Relations, who will comment on the results for the first quarter. Thank you, Roberta. Thank you, Mink, and good morning, everyone. Please, let's move to slide 10. Beginning with the mining segment, as you can see in the first graph on the upper left, zinc production decreases by 14% year over year. The temporary suspension of our Peruvian mines, required by the local government on its efforts to control COVID-19 spread, offset the performance of our Brazilian operations. In respect to our smelting segment, first quarter metal sales were relatively flat, reflecting the still good demand by mid-March. Consolidated net revenue was $442 million, down 22% year-over-year, primarily driven by the steep decline in alienine prices. Turning to slide 11, we will comment on our consolidated EBITDA. Compared to the first quarter of 2019, adjusted EBITDA decreased 59% to $44 million. This performance is primarily explained by the negative price variation due to lower LME prices and changes in market prices in respect of quotation period adjustments, and the decrease in byproduct revenue due to lower volume and LME prices. These effects were partially offset by lower operating costs and expenses. The US dollar appreciation against Brazilian real had a positive effect of $14 million. Turning to slide 12. We will comment on mining segment performance. In first quarter of 2020, adjusted EBITDA was negative at $17 million, compared with $83 million a year ago. This decrease was primarily driven by market-related factors, such as lower LME prices and higher treatment charges, with a negative variation impact of $64 million and $9 million, respectively. Lower volumes, which were impacted by the temporary suspension in Peru, with a negative impact of $29 million, and lower byproduct credits, particularly in Peru, totaling $4 million. These negative effects were partially offset by lower operating costs and a decrease in mineral exploration project development expense. Looking to the graph at the bottom right, we present the global cash cost curve for zinc. Despite the challenging scenario, we remain well positioned at the beginning of the third quarter of the cash cost curve. Moving to this next slide. On this slide, we will discuss melting segment performance. Different from mining, adjusted EBITDA increased over 100% to $61 million in the first quarter of 2020. The increase was primarily driven by the positive net effect of $14 million related to change in market prices in respect of quotation period adjustments, which offset lower LEMEs in price. The positive variation of $10 million due to higher treatment charges and lower operating costs, partly affected by Ismaria's performance and lower energy prices. Market-related factors had a positive contribution on our smelt and average cash cost, which decreased by 30% year over year to 80 cents per pound. Once again, the results of our smelting clearly show the importance of the mining smelting integration, reinforcing our strategic advantage of having smelters in our portfolio. We believe we are well positioned to mitigate the risks 
and capture the opportunities of the commodity cycle. Looking to the graph at the bottom right, we present the global cash cost curve for zinc smelters and nexus position at the beginning of the second quartile of the curve. Moving to the next slide. On slide 14, we present nexus with cash flow generation. Starting from our $44 million adjusted EBITDA, we had a negative change in working capital of $68 million, driven by a decrease in average supplier terms. We spent $39 million in sustaining capex and another $27 million in interest pay and taxes. As a result, cash flow before expansion project was negative $19 million. Non-sustaining capex, which includes our expansion project that will contribute to additional cash generation in the future, amounted to $46 million. During the quarter, we also paid $15 million in dividends in March, which were approved in February, and amortized a net of $39 million in lower than financing, which led to a negative cash flow of $246 million. Moving forward, we have adopted measures to improve our cash flow by reducing our investments and costs. I will now turn over the call to Tito, who will continue our presentation. Thanks. Please turn to slide 16 and 17. Here, we'll comment the Aripanam project. As previously announced, we are working on a rebase line of the project. Production is now scheduled to start in the third quarter of 2021. Of course, the rebase line is subject to a successful execution of the updated plan, and it's also subject to COVID-19 outbreak extent. For 2020, we revised our CapEx plan and we estimate to invest something close to $200 million. The updated CapEx contemplates a uh, for exchange gain of $50 million, which offset the estimated increase in costs. In the first quarter of 2020, $29 million were invested in the project. Aripana is a highly profitable project and we work it in our capital allocation strategy to balance our resource and keep its development unchanged. As you know, Aripona is located in a remote area, and in light of the crisis we are facing, our stakeholders' agenda has been upgraded. Awareness campaigns were made. We have provided antibody tests and medical equipment, and many other initiatives related to the combat of COVID-19 have been implemented in the city. A strong protocol for mobilization and incoming site personnel was also sent. Please move to slide 18. I'm going to make some comments about our pipeline of projects. As I previously mentioned, in response to COVID-19, we reaccess our capital allocation strategy and decide to put on hold our greenfield projects and some exploration plans. Exemption for Magistral, which is in felt three stage. Its feasibility study work is advancing, but may face delays due to the current conditions. Some of the needed work at site cannot be performed until the end of the restriction imposed by the lockdown in Peru. Anyway, we are still considering the conclusion, the conclusion of the felt three in the second half of 2020. The pre-feasibility studies at Shalipipe and Puka were both placed on hold. As for Ilarion, after filing our PEA in March with promising results, we intend to continue with the exploration campaign in the second half of this year. Of course, 
capital market conditions and cash generation allow us to do so. Moving to our last slide. As we mentioned in our last call, we initiated in 2019 the Next Away program, looking not only to improve efficiency in our operations, but also to strengthen our organization and our culture to prepare ourselves for the future. It allowed us to build some foundations to navigate this crisis we are seeing now. We have rapidly responded to COVID-19 escalation, being able to mitigate any potential impact in our operations, in our financials, and in our supply chain. We managed to support our host communities and local governments in different fronts. The short-term scenario is very challenging, and we need to guarantee the sustainability of our business in the long run. We expect to continue delivering our guidance and improve our results, especially in the second half of the year, when we expect the worst has passed. Our strategy has not changed. We remain committed in building the mind of the future, supported by our operational and financial discipline with a high qualified team. Thank you all for your time, and let's move to the Q&A session. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your touchtone phone. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. At this time, we will pause momentarily to assemble our roster. Our first question comes from Carlos de Alba with Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Hopefully you guys and your families are uh, safe and healthy. Uh, so my first question, if, if I may, has to do with uh, the, the financial covenants. Uh, if you could maybe um, remind us what the, the, the current covenants are and what, are the, uh, the, what is the status of the discussions that you're having with the relevant parties in, in trying to structure them? And do you expect uh, what is the amount, or if any, of um, your fees or penalties that you expect uh, you may incur uh, as you refinance or, or, or rearrange these uh, these covenants, uh, and then given uh, your well, well, your liquidity definitely has improved significantly. Uh, your net debt also has increased, so so the, the the leverage has gone up. Are there any plans to either sell projects or potentially raise equity uh, to, just to strengthen the the, the balance sheet, or, or you don't think that is necessary? Um, given that you, the mines in Peru are starting to to, uh, to restart, uh, are starting to produce again, uh, and you, as, as we speak, and then another part of my questions, if I may, is is related to the um, the impact of the idle capacity. Uh, I noticed that in the cash cost guidance of 59 cents for the mining operations, uh, the, 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 this cost of uh, idle capacity or the impact on cost of idle capacity is not included. Can you maybe talk about how much do you expect that impact to be, and if it is, uh, where where do you plan on on book this? Uh, is, is it going to be spread between Cox and expenses, or is it going to be mostly in Cox? Uh, thank you very much. Hello, Carlos. It's Rodrigo Mank here. Thank you for participating. I hope all of you in the call are safe and well with your families. Well, Carlos, first of all, financial covenants. 
Uh, we have in, in four agreements with nine counterparts. It's equivalent to 25% of our debt. We have financial covenants of uh, net leverage of four times net debt EBITDA, right? Total capitalization ratio of minimum of 0.3 times and the debt service ratio of minimum of one time, right? So we estimate that the net leverage one will be the one that we probably will breach. We are uh, talking with the, 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 the banks and the, the counterparts. We are beginning this discussion, right, sharing projections and all that. So I will will be updating the markets when when appropriate. Um, I don't don't know which fees they're going to charge, but it's it's market practice. This type of uh, fees are pretty much standardized, and I don't expect anything high. Uh, on terms of liquidity, we have been adding liquidity uh, both locally and also through the drawdown of our. RCF, the 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 debt profile that we have of our two billion dollar debt is pretty comfortable, right? So we have an increase in leverage, mainly due to the redu- the re- the reduction of the last twelve months EBITDA. So what we understand is that once everything comes back to a a normalized flow, this uh, EBITDA denominator will be compounded back. To, to uh, uh, other levels that will reduce naturally the leverage. Of course, we are also monitoring the market to to take benefit of any opportunities that might arise in the coming months, so that we can reprofile our debt or even deleverage using some other uh, opportunities. To this extent, we don't believe raising equity at this very moment is either necessary nor interesting. And also selling projects, it depends on the on the evolution of the market. Certainly at this point in time where you have a stress scenario, pricing projects to be sold is not necessarily interesting for the company. And provided that we have a good liquidity position with uh, a long, uh, I mean, a well, well-spread debt curve, we don't see this as necessary in this point in time, but we are aware and we are alert to analyze any possibilities. On the idle capacity costs, I will pass to Roberta. She has more detail to to show you. Hey, Carlos, good morning. In terms of the idle costs, it's included in our cost of sales. We have a note in our earnings release. Uh, We exclude from our cash cost guidance in order to better compare from the estimates that we provide in January. But we also add this in our earnings. So I would say almost 15 days that we have our mind suspended, it costs us around $11 million and $2 million for this melter. So it could be a good reference for you, considering now that you have a month, a little bit more than a month, uh, April until May 10th. So can be a reference for you in terms of the cash cost. Next question comes from Isabella Osseondelos with Dredesco BBI. Please go ahead. Hi. Uh, hi, good morning, everyone. Can you hear me well? Yeah, go ahead, please. Okay, great. Thank you. I hope uh, you are all doing well. Uh, so I have uh, two questions here. So first, uh, could you please uh, comment on and how, how demand within the key uh, and use markets uh, for zinc has been uh, developing so far. 
uh, in the second quarter and also, you know, versus your initial expectations uh, going into the crisis. And then uh, my second question on the lockdown in Peru, uh, do you already have a, a time frame uh, you're working on to resume operations at Atacocha or is it still uh, too early? Uh, these are, are my two questions. Thank you. Thank you for your questions, Amela. And we are fine. I hope you are also fine with your family. Uh, regarding demand, what we are seeing so far, uh, clearly there was a major drop in demand in our home mark. By home mark, we mean everything below Mexico and Latin. Uh, Brazilian customers, Argentinian customers, they are not doing well. Uh, the steel makers, they were uh, almost completely closed for more than 45 days. Uh, that's the reason why we decided actually to, to reduce production in Jiu-Jitsu Florida for a couple of months exactly to monitor and see how the, the demand will behave and, and being able actually to produce, uh, to not produce in excess and, and, and generate more uh, stocks in our facility in Brazil. In general, what we are seeing abroad, I mean, and I mean by Asia, is there is an adjustment in the market right now. Uh, if you notice, the price of zinc has come up in the last, last two weeks. Now it's around $2,000 per ton already, coming from almost uh, 16 and $50 per ton uh, 45 days ago. Uh, looks like the, the, the lockdown in Peru and associated with a recovery in China has been uh, supporting the price to come up. And uh, also, we, we've seen already a reduction in the stocks around the world, metal stocks around the world, which implies that the recovery in Asia is actually being able to, to, to demand more then has been supplied everywhere. Of course, a lot of uncertainties. We don't know where it will take us, how it will move in the next few months, but we are paying a lot of attention to that. Uh, regarding the soccer question, the operations in Peru, we are coming back with the Cerulino del Provenir, as was mentioned before. Atacocha, because of its size, uh, it will remain suspended at least for the next month. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the return uh, is done. A lot of, lot of uh, protocols, a lot of uh, uh, arrangements to be made in order to have our people back to the sites. And, uh, and hopefully we can return at Akosha uh, next month. Thank you. Our next question comes from Oris Balcoda with Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, I'm curious if you can give us some insight into how Brazil's coping with COVID-19. And, and by that, I mean, do you see any risk factors of the mines or smelters having to close because of the increasing um, spread of the virus? 
Boris, thanks for the question. Very good question. Uh, Brazil is having not a one one case with the COVID-19. Actually, we can split the country in many different areas. The impact of the of the of the, the outbreak is is different from state to state. Uh, of course, the big cities like São Paulo and Rio has been more affected. And we also saw some, some impacts, huge impacts in the north of the country. Uh, surprisingly, uh, Minas State, where we are located, has not been uh, impacted yet. Uh, we, are, we are running a lot of different protocols. We've been in direct contact with the, the local authorities. We've been very supportive to the local authorities. Yeah, even some of our our uh, uh, internal protocols we are, are applying to the cities we are located. You have to remember that some of the cities are very small, so in some ways you can actually control it. To say that you, we would not be impacted is 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 it's very difficult now. Uh, what I can tell you, uh, so far in Brazil, we have within our uh, our sites and our operations, just one case of contamination, which actually was in Sao Paulo. So we haven't had any anybody in our operations, in Juiz de Fora, Três Marias, Basante, and Paracatu, affected yet. We set protocols, we are testing people regularly, uh, but we haven't seen anything yet. So we have to wait and see how the situation evolves along the last, the next few months. Hopefully, we can control it. Uh, risks for lockdowns uh, may be in the big cities. There are rumors that we will implement it. Sao Paulo also may, may go for that. Some of the states in the north, as I mentioned, they have done already that. But not where we are. Not yet. And even in Aripona, which is a very remote and isolated place, we had some cases in the city, but they were controlled. And we have we have more than 1,500 people now at, at the site in Aripona today, and no case registered so far. So let's wait and see. But we have to be optimists, right? That's right. Thanks, Tito. And just following Thank up you. on the previous qu question on demand, can you give us a sense specifically in April? Um, I mean, you, you announced with this update that you're you're going to pull back smelting uh, capacity at one of the smelters uh, for mid, uh, May and June. But can you give us a sense of like how much are refined zinc sales down, say, in the month of April versus what they normally would be? No, I, I, uh, specifically in April, I don't have this number with me, but, but I can tell you the following. Based on what we've seen so far, we saw a, a potential drop in demand in our home market around 17% until the end of the year. Why are we assuming that? Because we start to see some of our customers in, in the home market actually postponing some orders to the second half and, and even some of them to the beginning of 21. So that's that's why was why we decided actually to stop for a couple of months to see if the situation will remain as it was or it could improve or become worse. So that's where we are today. In, in April, okay, everything and... we produced, we were able to sell because 
we have the, the option to sell in the spot market. In, 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 in assuming that we would reduce production in May and June in, in Jujipor, we are trying to balance how much we are producing, how much we are selling the spot market, and not, and not taking the risk to actually producing more and be uh, forced to sell with some losses in the spot market and investing in working capital as well. Okay. And, and just finally then, if, so if you're assuming a 17% demand reduction this year in, in your home market, does that leave the door open then to reduce smelting production even more? We have to see. We have to see. I hope no. Okay. If we, if we, we, we calibrate with the reduction that we have implemented in Jujiflora, we should be able to deal with that. Once more, it will depend a lot in how much we will actually be able to, sh to ship to other markets. It's, it's unprecedented, the situation we are living right now in Jujiflora. And the decision was made basically to, to actually to reduce production and evaluate how the market will behave in order to avoid an excess of production in the short term. We, we may go for full production everywhere because, as I said, we have the spot market if our traditional customers decide to delay and postpone some of the orders. But it was just a, a measure, a conservative approach in order to, to, to check what's going on. It, it's completely new for everybody. It's the first time I've been here for eight years. We never had to actually reduce production in the smelters. It's the first time. We, all, we always operate in full capacity. We are doing that because we were really afraid of having a excess of working capital. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Tito. And then just finally, the, the, the costs, the maintenance costs for the closed capacity, is that going to be put through as OPEX or CAPEX in the second quarter in terms of these standby fees? OPEX. I'm not okay. wrong. Thank you. Yeah. Our next question comes from Jackie Krzyzielowski with VMO. Please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, uh, Tito and team. Uh, I just wanted to uh, ask you about the Arepana project. Um, I know in the release you said you're working on a new baselining uh, for that project. Can you tell me what that means exactly? Uh, what is what? Are, what are you doing uh, in terms of baselining? And maybe is there a timeline where we can expect to hear the results of this uh, study or review? Oh, hello, Jack. Thank you for the question. Basically, what we did first, we reprogrammed the the, the, the project based on the impacts we suffered at the end of last year. We mentioned the call the first the. the of 2019, that we had been impacted by an excess of rains in, in, in late 19, and, and also a, 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 a delay in the re rebuild of an uh, important bridge to, for access to the project. And because of that, we knew that we need to change the schedule of the project. It has been done already. So when we say that production should start at the beginning of the third quarter, 21, has to do with that. And some of the impacts we already 
saw coming from the COVID-19. Just to give an example, we have to set up protocols to bring in more people, to mobilize more people to the, to our, to the construction. Nowadays, we have to bring in people and keep them for a couple of weeks in quarantine before they can actually be uh, in, the, in, the, in the site. Uh, we, then we have, given the change in the schedule, we need also to change, we revise the budget for the CAPEX, right, for the project. We, we are doing that, but given the uncertainties we are faced with the COVID, we decide not actually to, to, to set a precise value for the project. And we should have this uh, on the second half of the year. We are still working with the same budget, the $392 million, assuming that beyond the contingencies, there will be an increase that may be in between 10 and 25%. Uh, I could provide a number today, but we decided not to do so, do not, because the level of uncertainty we are following. We, there is also the fact that SX has been offsetting the CAPEX. Uh, I don't know if you are following up, but uh, exchange rates in Brazil, they move really fast along the last four months. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, reais against US dollars are almost a six. So, the, and most of the projects we are running uh, are in reais, the Brazilian currency. So the combination of that, those factors, we believe would misguide anybody looking at the project. So we decided to let's wait and see how the productivity in the site moves on, given the impact of COVID-19, how the, the exchange rate will impact it in order to be able to come up with a new number. That's why we decide not to, to, to set up a when we will be able to do this. The second half will be very important for us because of the productivity of the site, of the, of the, of the, the, the construction. And hopefully the exchange rate will, will, will have a more, more stability sometime uh, after this momentum has passed, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That that makes sense. Thank you. Um, can, can I ask also about your cost savings program, the next away? Um, I know the last quarter you've you've given us an update on how much that program has cost you. Uh, are you able to give an update on how much the cost savings program has cost you so far in consultant fees and and things, and how much you've realized in savings so far beyond uh, what you highlighted in the release? for things like FX or reduced travel because of COVID? Is there anything that's more specific to the... No, 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 no. Uh, a correction, Jack. The, the extra savings are not related with the next away. No, the that's additional $20 million are not, not related. We, yeah, we yeah. have had some, some gains, and those gains are not specifically related with cost savings. They also are related with the, some KPIs and, and performance improvement. That's why we are saying that the $120 million we were expecting to see along 2020 may not be reached or achieved until 2021 because of this, the, 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 the parameters we were using, they were affected. When you calculate the potential gain you're going to make improving a, a, a 
for example, recovery in one of your plants has to do with the price you're using for, to, to define that. As price, they drop dramatically, and some of the, the, the external factors are affecting our results. The numbers became a little bit messy. We are still assuming that we can uh, get reach $120 million in gains with next away, but not only in, with cost savings and not necessarily only in 2020. In the first quarter, those, those gains were $21 million. They are embedded in the results of the first quarter. The savings we'll have with SGNA, the $20 million, will, will happen along the year. Uh, and uh, we are not expecting to pay additional fees until the end of the year. The reason for that has to do with the following. The definition of the fees is based on where you identify, you characterize the gains you may have. So last year we paid a significant amount, but we, we generate, uh, we almost match the amount paid. This year, almost everything that will be generated will be, uh, will go to the company without any fee being paid because we paid already last year. Okay. Thank you. Thank that's, you. That's Our next question comes from Oscar Cabrera with CIBC. Please go ahead. Thank you, Peter. Uh, good morning, everyone, and best wishes for you and your families to stay healthy during this, um, you know, normal times. Um, I have three questions, um, and um, let me start with just uh, melting segment. Uh, approximately 46% of the seed for the smelters come from third parties and with elevated treatment charges. Have you had any discussions with companies that may not be able to continue operations and therefore you may have uh, lower feed for your smelters? Uh, hi, Oscar. Thank you for asking this. Uh, yes, we are monitoring most of all of our suppliers we 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 have long -term, as you know we have long term contracts with the main suppliers we our acquisition the short in the spot market is very small actually if we were operating in normal times we would not need to actually to buy anything from the spot market we did that last month because of the shutdown in in peru so some of our suppliers were not able to supply, so we had to look for, for stocks available from other sources. Uh, we are pretty comfortable about uh, our, uh, our uh, raw material. We are not expecting to see, even if there is a, a, a disruption in one of the main suppliers, we already have uh, get the assurance from others that we should have the concentrate available. And regarding the, the TCs, all the contracts, they, they, they cover the year supply. Uh, no, we have not had any discussion about the change in TCs. Our average TC is around $300. Uh, 
for the year and should remain there. Uh, okay. there. There is no apparent concern about it, even when we talk, because we, we deal with the, big, the, the, largest, the largest producers, right? So no, no, not at all. Nothing about mm-hmm. that was mentioned so far. Okay, that's great to hear, Tito, because this shows the countercyclicality of, of your smelting business in, in these tough times. Um, second yeah. question, can you please remind us, I mean, um, a lot of companies are benefiting from depreciation, depreciation of local currencies. Can you remind us the, the amount of cost or the percentage of cost in local currency for your Peruvian and Brazilian operations, please? Hi, Oscar. It's Rodrigo here. Um, we have around 80% of our costs in Brazil denominated in reais, right? And uh, we have been uh, sharing with you all the sensitivity analysis we periodically do. Uh, we have approximately a, a $7 to $8 million EBITDA impact for each $0.10 cents of uh, SX in the Brazilian reais, uh, the variation in the VSX rate, approximately. Is that covering what yeah. uh, you were we were asking? Uh, yeah, that's uh, for Brazil, for Peru. In, in Peru, it's uh, it's eighty. It's the other way around. It's approximately eighty percent in uh, in U.S. dollars. As you know, the Peruvian economy is much more dollarized than than, than uh, the Brazilian one. So in Peru, we have less impact of the FX rate uh, because of the FX rate. And the FX rate there varies uh, a lot less. Just to have a comparison, uh, ever since the beginning of the, this more volatile times, the Peruvian um, currency has varied like 15 cents from uh, 3.30 to 3.45 approximately. Uh, on uh, the other hand, in Brazil, you have seen where we are. So we are coming up to, to close levels to six reais per dollar. So it's, uh, it's really different by the mechanics. Right. Yeah. Um, thank you. Then um, on the sustaining capital deferrals of around $40 million, um, can you just give us an idea of where those savings are coming from and um, how should we think about the um, uh, when you'll be spending this capital if things return to normal in the second half of this year? By, uh, Oscar, what we did was uh, a broad exercise to maintain everything that is essential, right? So everything that is legally we're legally bind, uh, uh, binding uh, to us, such as uh, tailing dams, such as uh, other investments, to maintain the the, the 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 main operation at a safe level in in all of our units. So uh, everything that relates to increasing capacity or, or expansion uh, besides Aripuana and also the, the final investments of the deepening of the Vazanti mine, we have postponed. All the investments with regard to, to growth, we have postponed. We are maintaining, for example, in, in mineral exploration, we are maintaining what, what uh, the, the fees for, for mineral rights and things that are unavoidable but, and would maintain our business uh, healthy. But uh, in the plans, we, we are, we, the teams have uh, reassessed all of the investments 
and we are maintaining things uh, uh, um, for basic maintenance in, in, in our line. We increased health and safety uh, expenditures, of course, for the new protocols. So everything is being brought down to the minimum uh, level that we should uh, uh, preserve cash with. Is it covered? No, I should say minimal, 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 but uh, enough to keep the sustainability of the operations, right? Yes. So this is one, one concern we have. Yeah. All that is essential. Yeah. Correct. But, I mean, so so can I assume from your comments that the the amount that you have uh, outlined on, on slide number 14 is, is mostly for maintenance uh, of, the, of all the operations? Yes, it is. Okay. The maintenance Thank you very much, and best of luck. Thank you, Carlos. Our next question comes from Lewis Yang with J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Hi, this is Lucas. Um, first of all, uh, thank you for the opportunity, and I hope you and your family are doing well. I have just one question on byproducts. Um, we noticed that uh, the majority of the of the byproducts production right in 2019 came from your Peruvian operations. So, besides lowering production, is it fair to assume a very sharp decrease in byproducts volumes in the second quarter? Or is there inventories that can compensate that? Thank you. I would say that what happened is the most the, the basic impact in the first quarter about byproducts has to do all. We had a reduction in copper production selling, yes, but the most the, 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 the significant impact came actually from from price, right? So the production. In terms of volumes, was less impacted than the, the reduction in price. Nate, you want to add anything, Alberta? No. No, no yeah. main impact. Yep. Yeah, because no, my my fear was that uh, uh, like ninety-eight percent of a buy, like the side lower prices, like almost all your byproduct byproducts production will be. Halted for the period of the lockdown, right? Uh, is that is, is 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 it like a correct assumption? Yes, it is. I'm not sure. I understand. For the proper day, improving mind. Yes. Okay. Uh, very clear. Thank you. Our next question is a follow-up from Carlos de Alba with Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks again. Uh, Tito, uh, I wanted to, to explore a little bit uh, in more detail the 17% decline, uh, potential decline that you see in thin demand in, in, in Nexus home market. Uh, could yeah. you maybe elaborate if this uh, if this 17% applies to all of those other markets or is more, uh, or you see differences between the auto sector and construction or, or some of the other important uh, relevant all markets? Sectors. All sectors, because what happened is Mostly, our, our main customers are the steelmakers, right? And they are the suppliers to the to the, the different sectors, automakers and, and construction and so on. All of them were in some ways affected. For sure, automakers were the main ones because almost 100% of the Brazilian production was shut down for at least a month. I was reading yesterday, sales in April in the auto business were 
down 98%. They went back to 1954, the year of 1954. It's amazing. Uh, but we know for sure that the other uh, steel makers also closed, those who supply to, to construction or infrastructure. So, and uh, the direct use of zinc was also affected. I mean, uh, diecasting and everything was affected everywhere. I mean, through the through Latin everywhere. Okay, and then uh, you know, next I continue to pay dividends um, in this past quarter. Uh, how should we think about dividends in the for the remainder of the year, given the, the situation in which uh, we are all living and, and in which the company is operating? Hi, Carlos. Thanks, Rodrigo. For this year, no more payments. We we usually pay once a year in uh, in March. So uh, when we we had this deliberation by the board in February, we were far from uh, these volatile times that uh, engulfed us. And uh, once we we disclosed it, it was already a, a commitment to the market, right? So we paid it, and um, now we we don't have any more expectations of paying in the, the rest of the year. Okay. And then uh, we have you. to see what's going to happen along yeah. 2020, right? The year that should never happen. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> so just, You've got my calendar anymore. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, so just just two final questions very quickly. What is the the, the average capex of Aripuana that is exposed to BRL? And second, uh, we saw a big decline in El Porvenir cash cost in, in the second quarter. H how do you see that in, in the coming quarters? Okay, first of all, Aripuana, uh, the expenditures are mainly in high. So uh, overall in the project, we had approximately 20% of the overall cost uh, exposed to dollar. At that point in time, when we began the project, we hedged the flow of the dollar disbursements, right? So uh, this is—it's pretty much what's, what what remains is pretty much in high. Okay, on the upper new cash cost, I'll pass to Roberto. She has more detail. So Carlos, uh, we we provide information in terms of the cash cost for the year, and so we are not seeing some year over year, not so many changes. In terms of the, the first quarter, as we mentioned, so it excludes uh, the the items uh, of Porvenir, and we also have byproducts here that affected our cash cost. But year over year should be aligned with the guidance that we, uh, sorry, for the year should be aligned with the guidance that we provided. All right. And Porvenir, that actually is, Yes, that actually see a little bit of increase because of the what we are considering in terms of the higher treatment charges and lower byproduct credits as well because of the lower metal prices. All right, excellent. Thank you very much, everyone. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos. This concludes our question and answer session. We will now hand over to Tito for his final remarks. Mr. Martins, please go ahead. Thank you. Uh, before we, we, we end this call, I, I would like to, to call your attention for three important points. Some of them were kind of mentioned here today already, but I think it's very important to call your attention to that. The first one is 
uh, our mine, because uh, they were a fact, they've been a fact in 2020, mostly because of the thesis. It's very important to, to note that. Uh, it looks like that the, the integration we have with the smelters not necessarily uh, turns to be important when you look at the picture. Uh, the thesis the, 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 the had a huge impact in the mines, but on the other hand, they, they were benefiting the smelters, and we, we hope it will keep it. As I said before, the thesis should, the thesis were negotiated at the end of the year, they should remain to the rest of the year. It's around $300 per ton. The second point uh, has to do with the, the guidance, the new guidance we are providing. Uh, we, we actually decide to be very conservative, as was said today, and it has to do with the level of uncertainty we, we, we still have in terms of how many people will be able to return to the operations in Peru, how long we'll be able to operate, uh, how fast we reach the full capacity. There was an interview given by the, the head of the Mining Association Peru uh, a couple of days ago saying that most of the mines are coming back, assuming that they will be producing around with 80% capacity. Uh, we did pretty much that. I mean, uh, we wanted to be conservative instead of actually throwing numbers that we don't know today if they will be achievable or not. I hope we can make more than using the guidance exactly because of that. It has to do with the challenges we have to face in the return and coping with the protocols we have to follow in order to keep our, our people uh, uh, healthy. And the third point has to do with Adipona. Uh, I explained already today why we did not come with a new CapEx for Adipona, but it's important to note that Adipona is a very good project. Uh, it's in the second quartile of the industry. It's moving okay in terms of the development. We already performed 39% of the project. Uh, we see, we see it, it has a lot of potential. We have not come up with a new technical report, but we keep it drilling there. Just remember, remind you, the project was approved considering 13 years of uh, reserves and we potentially can go beyond 20 years, given what we know today. So, uh, and we are committed with the project. This is the future of NAXA. Uh, uh, it's a challenge, but we can overcome it. And we believe we can do it. I would like once more to thank you for being here with us and wish you all the good. And, uh, and we can go out of this bad situation in the abnormal life we are having very soon. Have a good day. Thank you. The conference is now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.